Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. So as you know, we've been on the fire values, and I'm not going to be before you long because we're going to press in, in prayer again. I really feel that this morning. So we've been on the fire values, and we're on the last one, which is extending the kingdom through equipping, empowering, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to read three scriptures for you, and then I'm going to get straight to it. And so the first one that I want us to read is from the book of Genesis. And if we can have that up, please. Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28. I'm going to read from that because I have the ESV here. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Over the livestock and all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. <laughs> I was like, what was the next word? Verse 27, please. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And the second scripture is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Oh, let's read it together. This then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. And then there's one more scripture, and I promise you I'll start, okay? <laughs> Which is, I've forgotten. Luke 10, thank you. I think it's verse 18. No, I think it's 18. Oh, thank you. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Thank you for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, immediately as I began to study and to prepare for this sermon this morning, the first question that I asked myself, and I find many others asking me, is why does the kingdom of God require extending? God is all-powerful, right? God is omniscient, which means he sees everything, knows everything. I had a mind blank for a moment. Knows everything. Yet, why is it that we require to play a part in the extending of the kingdom? And before I get into that, let me assure you that there is no fight between God and the devil. I'll explain. 
The devil is no match for God. Can we go to Luke chapter 10, verse 18? You see, what happens when the devil tries to match God, this is what happened. He saw Satan fall like lightning. There's no fight. There's no competition. Because immediately, as soon as he tried and come against the God of angel armies, what happens? He falls. He can't stand against God. He can't defeat God. There's no fight. There's no competition. God wins. Amen? But as we go to Genesis 1, verse 26, we can understand the answer to the first question which I gave, which was, why does the kingdom of God need extending? You see, God had entrusted the beauty of his creation to us. He gave gave us things to rule over. The Bible says that we were called to dominion and we were called to subdue. Now, the word subdue means to rule over or to govern. I'm going to say that again. The word subdue means to rule over or to govern a thing. So right from the very get-go, the initial plan of our great God was for us to partner with him in ruling over this world. And we can see that in, in, from Genesis 1 to 3, we can see that God calls Adam and tells Adam to name the animals. Adam was moving in his authority in naming the animals. He was moving in, in his rights. He was legislating things on the earth. We call lions now lions. Probably it wasn't in the same language because of Adam. He was moving in his authority. But we all know what happens in Genesis 3. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve eat of the fruit in the garden. And we've been alluding to this a lot throughout this fire series. It's interesting. But Adam and Eve eat of this fruit. But what happens is way beyond what we can understand. So much hurt and pain comes from this. And one of the things that they, that they gave away was their authority. One of the things that they gave away as they obeyed the serpent is they gave away their authority. Um, now, if you heard me earlier, I said that it, God's initial plan was for us to partner with him in ruling over this world. But now we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that The enemy is referred to as the God of this world. That's who our authority was given to when Adam and Eve ate the apple. But the good news is that the story doesn't end there, praise God. The wonderful Jesus that we've been singing about this morning, that we've encountered this morning, he came to restore authority. He came so that we could extend his kingdom again. And one of the major ways in which we do that is through prayer. That's why earlier I had you declaring some things because when you pray, you change the atmosphere. 
I don't know if you noticed, but as you began to, to, to declare the, your love for the Lord and whatever you were saying, the atmosphere in this very room was changing. That's the power of prayer. Prayer is the meeting place between the divine and the natural. So when you pray, you call in the divine, the supernatural, to meet the natural. But what happens is that there's a shift in the things in the natural as you pray. Because you're calling on a power that's greater. Prayer is dependency on God. We pray because we need him. We can't do life without him. And if you haven't realized it yet, I hope you realize it now. We need him every single day. But that means we need to pray. That means we need to show that, what, that we need him by praying. We need him to breathe. We need him to think well. We need him to keep our healing. To stay delivered. We need him. Prayer extends the kingdom. And prayer has no geographical limitation. Meaning that you could be praying right here for somebody in Africa, Nathan's favorite town. <laughs> I made that up, I made that up. <laughs> you could be praying for somebody in Africa, but there's no limitation, which means you can be praying now and see a shift happening in Africa. You could be praying here and see transformation in the life of Donald Trump. You could be praying here and see North Korea transformed. That is the power that you possess. That is the power that the Lord redeemed for you on the cross. He came to restore your authority. He came to restore the, the fact that you have the legal right of what happens on this earth. I hope you can grab that. You have the legal right to, to dictate what happens on this earth. As you begin to pray, you can say, no, I'm not happy that there's stabbings in London. I'm not going to allow it to happen, but I'm going to arise in my authority. I'm going to arise and I'm going to say, stabbings in London, stop. And it will happen because of the authority that God has redeemed for you. You don't have to live with the spirit of fear, people. You can speak to it and command it to leave. Many of us live with different oppressions and we call it normal. No, open up your mouth and speak. Speak the word of the Lord. And as you speak the word of the Lord and you pray, that, that combination of, of, of his word, his truth, and your authority and his authority and his power, transformation has to take place. For a long time, a common thread that I've seen amongst many Christians is that the enemy wants to shut our mouths. He doesn't want us to pray. And I hope that you're starting to realize why that is. Because when you pray, something happens. When you pray, 
lives are transformed. That's why it's such a war. That's why it's such a battle. That's why it's such a discipline to pray. People of God, I urge you this morning to arise and pray. If you're not happy with your life, if you're not happy with your situation, your circumstances, arise and pray. No longer should we allow the enemy to run rampant in our lives. Now, not everything is the enemy. Some things is us. But still, we need prayer in order to change us because we can't change ourselves adequately. We can change ourselves a little bit, but transformation comes from him. He's the one that can renew our minds. As we spend time with him, he can renew the very way that you think. You feel like you've been stuck with that forever. No, he can transform it. He can transform your heart. You may be walking with with hurts and and bitterness and pain. But he can heal that too. Prayer is the meeting place between the divine and the natural. Jesus' lifestyle was prayer. He said he only did what he saw the father doing. Constant communication. He knew exactly what to say all the time. His lifestyle was prayer. My prayer for us is that that will be our lifestyle. Father, would you cause us all to arise in prayer every day. May we not go a day without praying. Oftentimes, the Lord shows us things so that you can pray and change it. Some things that you know are wrong in your area, in your town, in your family, the Lord has allowed you to see it, not just so that you can gossip or talk about it. No, so that you can change it. So that's point number one. Prayer. Extends the kingdom. And point number two is this. And me and John were speaking about this in the week. It's purpose. Now we have a corporate purpose, which simply just means reason for living. Why God created us. And we have a corporate purpose, which applies to the whole body of Christ. We're all called to have relationship with him. We're all called to have relationship with one another. We're all called to share the good news that we've received. No one else can tell your story. Share it with someone. We're all called to pray and heal the sick and see them recover. We're all called to drive out devils. This is all our corporate purpose. Every single person is called to this. It's not for anybody special. We're all called to hear the voice of the Lord. We can all prophesy if we want to. But then there's this other side 
to purpose. And this is my favorite one. Is everyone's individual purpose. The reason why God created you. You see, in Jeremiah 1.5, the Lord says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Though the Lord was speaking to Jeremiah, what we can learn is that the Lord doesn't make people by accident. You are not an accident. You are created for purpose. You are created for a reason. And I just want to reiterate that this morning, that you are not an accident. I don't care who told you that, it's a lie. The truth is, God intentionally made you with a purpose. And so, he has given us gifts that are individual to every single one of us. He has given you things that you like and things that you don't like. All of these things work together to make your purpose. When I first became a Christian, I was studying to become a doctor. Um, But it was clear because the Lord shone a torchlight on my heart, metaphorically, and showed me where I was at. Now, you see, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor. It's an amazing job. But the issue was, I was only doing it for financial reasons. That's the only reason why I wanted to be a doctor. I'm being honest. And so, as soon as I became a Christian, that was the first thing that the Lord tackled in me. My purpose. And so, I remember I was frustrated. I would go home every day asking the Lord, Lord, why did you make me then? Why did you make me? Why did you make me? What am I supposed to do? Why do I exist? Sometimes I would be in tears from frustration, seeking an answer. And you know what the funny thing is? The entire time, God was telling me. The entire time. But you know what it took? It took 10 people who didn't know me to come and tell, call out my purpose. But let me tell you a bit more about that story. Because... The, the first time, I didn't believe it. The third, fourth time, I didn't believe it. The fifth, sixth time, I thought, this is weird, I'm hearing this a lot. <laughs> it wasn't until the eighth, ninth time that I started to believe it. But you know what's funny? Even though I had heard it nine times, someone came along and told me, this is not what you're called for, and I believed it. That one, that one person discouraging me spoke louder, unfortunately, in my life than the nine. And sometimes that's what happens to us. We can see that we're gifted in certain areas. We can see that 
the hand of the Lord is upon us to do certain things, whether it be in media, whether it be in the arts, business, politics, sciences, and whatever else I haven't mentioned, probably everything. We can see gifts in these things. But yet, because of the voice of discouragement, we don't step out in purpose. And so what happens next in the story is I'm, I'm doubting my purpose now. And I'm, I'm frustrated again. I'm back in that place of frustration. And I, I remember I was going to an all-night prayer and I said, Lord, if I don't get a confirmation in this meeting, I'm not going into full-time ministry. And funnily enough, it's in this very book that I wrote that. And so I said that to the Lord. And it was about 4 a.m. I'd given up. Everyone else was praying. I was just sitting down because I'd given up. I thought, oh, I've got it all wrong all this time. And then this gentleman brought a prayer show, which is basically like a, a blanket um, from Israel. <laughs> That's a poor explanation. <laughs> but in the Old Testament, the Jews would wear this tallit in, in times of prayer. And they still wear it now. But what happens is that Christians have adopted that as well. And some wear a prayer shoe and it has like scriptures on it and it has beads with all significant meanings. Okay, back to the story. So, so I'm at this prayer meeting, and this guy brings out this, he was the last person to, to, to lead prayer at this all-night prayer meeting. So, like I said, I'd given up. And so he goes up, and he brings out this prayer show, a.k.a. Talit. And then he says, since I've had this, I've never used it, and I've never brought it out for any purpose. But today, the Lord, before I left, the Lord told me to bring this. And so he brings it, and like I said, I'm sitting down all stroppy. Everyone else is at the front praying. Then he calls me out, and he says, the Lord has called you to da 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 and I'm there like, Lord, literally everything that I needed to hear. And he prophesied over me, and he wrapped this prayer shawl around me. And that was like God sealing his purpose for my life. I say that story to say that I sense that the Lord wants to wrap his pressure, his love around you. To reinforce, to confirm your purpose afresh. You see, we can't get our purpose from looking within ourselves. We can only get it from looking to the Creator. He is the one who reveals why He made you. A car cannot tell itself why it's made. The manufacturer is the person who can tell you how to use everything. John was telling me the other day, I can't remember the percentage, but apparently only 15 to 20% of 
apps. Pe- people, only 20% of the app itself is used because people don't know how to use the other 80%. Because we must know how to use it through the manufacturer in the same way. We, we must know our purpose by going back to the one who manufactured us, who created us in all our beauty and splendor. He made us amazing. He looked at creation and said, it's good. He looked at what he made. He looked at you and said, it's good. So just as I close, I want to encourage you all to read a book that transformed my life and many others. And it's called Purpose Driven Life. It's a 40-day journey to discovering your purpose. And I just want to read seven points from a book of purpose before I close. Point number one is God is a God of purpose. And God created everything with a purpose. In other words, you're created with a purpose. Not every purpose is known to us, but we must seek it from our creator. Where purpose is not known, sometimes abuse can be found. And the final one, God's purpose is key to our fulfillment. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Holy Spirit. First of all, we thank you for restoring our authority back to us. Thank you for calling us to a deeper level of prayer wherever we are at. And my prayer this morning is that you will reveal afresh and confirm your purpose for every single one of us. May we arise and take the mountains 
of media, of politics, of the arts, back for you. In your precious name we pray.